Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Insurgent Architects House for Creative Writing podcast series. My name is Larissa Lai, and I direct the Tea House Project as part of a Canada Research Chair in Creative Writing, which I hold here at the University of Calgary. I'm Hong Kong Chinese by way of Kumaye, Biotuk, and Coast Salish territories. I currently live on Treaty 7 land, where Tea House also makes its home. Tea House specifically acknowledges the Blackfoot Confederacy, comprising the Siksika, Bigani, and Gaina First Nations, as well as the Sutina First Nation and the Stony Nakoda, comprising the Chiniki, Bearspaw, and Wesley First Nations. We acknowledge also the Métis Nation of Alberta, Region 3. Podcasts are produced and edited by graduate students from the English department here at the University of Calgary. You're just about to meet one of them. Hello, and welcome to Tea House Talks, the Insurgent Architects House for Creative Writing podcast series. Today, we present an interview by Christos of Lillian Allen. My name is Trindelaney, and I'm a research assistant for the Tea House Project at the University of Calgary. This interview was recorded during a Tea House symposium called Wisdom Council in September 2019. Wisdom Council brought together a small council of senior practitioners in the arts, who are mostly Black, Indigenous, and people of color, to sit in council over three days to discuss such topics as what our communities need now, memory and forgetting, care of elders in racialized communities, community formations they've experienced, and practices and strategies that might be of use or interest in the present moment. This interview was recorded as part of the gathering's work. Christos, a Menominee poet and activist, was born in San Francisco. In her work, she examines themes of feminism, social justice, and Native rights. Lillian Allen is a professor of creative writing at Ontario College of Art and Design University. Multidisciplinary and experimental, Allen's creativity crosses many genres, including radio, theater, music, and film. As a writer, featured artist, and producer, director, and national radio host, Alan is a recognized authority and activist. In this episode, Christos interviews Lillian about what brings Lillian joy, alternate and biological families, how loving the core of who students are is the foundation of her teaching philosophy, the problems with seeking approval and creativity, moving from the political to the spiritual, and working in the institutional structure of the university. like to say how wonderful it has been to be in your beautiful presence and um, and ask you the question that I came up with before which is what gives you joy hmm. well let me say it is such an honor <laughs> and such a joy to connect with you again yeah and to see that you're still engaged and um, as the the panel said yesterday still kicking <laughs> like me <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so I'm really happy and it's been such a lovely weekend yes you know I overheard you telling somebody 
is the one academic conference that you've come to that you thoroughly enjoyed. Right? I liked every moment. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely something we were all moving towards clarity, supporting each other. Um, the challenges were respectful and so forth. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for reminding us of that. <laughs> hmm. What gives me joy, joy, joy? <laughs> well, a lot of things. So a lot of things. Um, I can start um, forward and go backwards. Whichever way. I have a way. granddaughter. <laughs> and I look at my, I'm like, oh, that's my DNA. <laughs> and um, we're very close. And I was there at her birth and everything. Oh. Yeah. And I spent quite a bit of time with her. And just that exuberance and that life and just to watch the changes um, as she does things and learns things and try and find her way in the world. It is like, uh, there's nothing more joyous than that. It's like so beautiful to have that gift, mm. right? Um, it makes you wonder why would anybody want to create wars or hurt other people or children, right? They must not have experienced um, that kind of uh, situation. So, yeah, and my daughter, she's, you know, pretty awesome too. Um, <clears throat> you know, had to wrestle a while in the teenage years there, but we came through it because... <laughs> um, the one thing is always stay in contact, you know. Um, it's not going to go your way. you got to give that up. That's sign of maturity. <laughs> but be there. <laughs> and uh, love being there. So, yeah. So, um, those interconnections. I have some real nice people in my life. Um, I have my own family, but I have my alternate family that I built. And... Uh, that is really great. Um, doing my work has been a gift. Writing my work, doing my work, and getting the kind of responses that I've been that I've gotten, having the kind of impact that I've had. It's nobody sets out to kind of say I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, or if they do, it's not achievable because it's not a formula, right? Right. It's something he do. I was doing my work like you because it was important. Um, at one point, it's to survive. Another point, it's to, you know, keep the mental health in check. Um, you know, and then it gets into some of the loftier things that the PhD students uh, <laughs> write about, <laughs> right? Oh, man, I'm like, wow, I'm so smart. <laughs> but... Um, Having that voice, and uh, you know, nowadays you say, "Oh, it's so cliche to have voice." No, it's not. Voice is very important if you understand voice as being distinct and unique. Right? Yeah, it's it's absolutely. I mean, in some ways, I would say that the voice is the soul, because no one's mm -hmm. voice is alike, and yeah. a lot of times, 
when I'm thinking about someone who's died, I can't remember how they sound, and that's so mm. stressful, right? You know, yeah. because because you want to hear that particular laugh or that mm -hmm. that way that they would say something yes. like peas, you know, mm -hmm. or um, yeah. yeah, yeah. The voice is is uh, really is the soul. It is the soul. It is the soul. Yeah, and to be gifted, you know, with that. Uh, um, I tell my students, no matter how large you are or small you are, when you have a voice, it makes it wholer and bigger and better and everything. Yeah. So, um, I work with my students, right? And um, that is a particular kind of joy, right? Mm -hmm. To um, be able to feel important, right? Because you're on this earth and, you know, there's so many people, so many, I go into the library and look at the books, and I'm like, oh, my God, there's so many books. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, so, you know, how do you distinguish yourself? And without a, a public kind of accolade, because we, we get used to that, um, you know, you got the public has to say or some accolade for you to think it's important. But to be able to work with these students and to see to their transformation and to cure them back to self is, um, is a particular joy. Mm. At the end of each term, I... And sometimes for a term end, I say, thank you for letting me be your teacher. Mm. Right? And they're very surprised. And they're thinking, but with my eyes, you say that. I said, no, thank you. Right? Because um, not only are they teaching you, but they're allowing you to grow in your teaching and in yourself. Mm -hmm. And um, so I love doing that. And for the most part, not all the time, I can't wait to get to class, to engage and be surprised and, you know, be challenged, uh, you know, around my own ideas and so forth. Well, you so said uh, carry them back to themselves? Yeah. That's a wonderful phrase. Mm -hmm. how, how do you do that? Well, mm, well, first of all, the, the whole school system and, and the whole way you move in society, they go up the echelon, is to take you away from yourself and community, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so when I'm working with students, and uh, I'll illustrate this by a young teacher asked me to mentor, and what she said, what is it important? Uh, you know, help me how to teach. And I said, what is the most important thing do you want in life, Right? And she thought away. I said, no joke here. No, we're putting on. And she said, to be loved. I said, that's what they want. <laughs> Just love them. The bad ones, the, the, the dumb ones, the, the ones who you don't even know where they're coming from, the ones who confuse you, the ones who might be rude. Love them. Just unconditional love. Just get to their core and just like, you know, their behavior, their actions. If you don't like that, that's a different story. But just make sure that they understand that you value them and you value what they do, what they think, how they carry themselves in the world. 
and that you think they are important and you're mm. glad that they're alive and that they're here in this space with you. I said, you do that, the teaching is a stranger after that. And um, so when you do that, you bring them back to themselves because somewhere along the line, and without exception, all the people I've encountered, and uh, you know, in my own experience, somebody somewhere or some experience have taken them away from themselves and made them feel less, made them feel they're not worthy, they're, what they do isn't good, and whatever. And um, I'm saying that, you know, first of all, should not have happened. And um, if that, when that happened to you, if that happened, the people should apologize because for the most part, if they were decent people, they wouldn't want that effect to have that effect it's having on you now. Yeah. And they should apologize. And I apologize on their behalf and say, you can create yourself anew. You don't have to be, I can't do this, or, uh, you know, this isn't worth it, or this is going to be silly. You do what you do. Nothing great, nothing good ever starts off good in terms of a practice. You start off, and you learn, and you practice, and you practice. That's how you become good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so I give them that, you know? And, um, and that's what they need. You know, just giving them permission. I can't tell them anything about their lives. They tell me, right? But if you don't create the space, you will never know anything about their history and culture because they're all trying to impress. They're all trying to be what they think this normative thing that will get your approval will be, right? And sometimes it means hiding who they are, their sex, mm. you know, their, their, their sexuality, you know, their culture, their um, illiterate grandmother, they're speaking five languages but stumbling with English, Yeah. right? right. And they're conscious and feel, you know, little because they can't, you know, do English as well as they should. So I'm like, no, all that is, is crap. You speak five. Most people here, and I do that as routine, when somebody's having difficulty with English, I'm like, I know right away. How many languages do you speak? And they speak at least one other, usually three or four. Yes, yes. And say, class, all of you, I want to know how many people speak more than one language. And usually um, it's those people who are struggling. You know, how many people speak one language and can write it? And, you know, 95%. And say, look, you speak four and five and you can't, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, put them in one of your situation. And I'm sure they wouldn't do as well as you're doing with English, you know. So looking for those things to, um, to just assure people that we're human and all that trappings that's put on us, we don't have to carry it, you know. Mm. We don't have to carry it. So, um, so yeah. So they get real and now get to themselves and and um, get comfortable with being themselves. And and the real beginning of all writing is being in yourself. Yeah. Sometimes you have to write back to yourself. 
Mm. Right? You, you have to go through that process of actually finding yourself because it is so strong to represent what you think will give you approval. Right? Because, for example, in the university setting, it's about getting a mark. Right. A good right? grade. A good grade, yeah. Yeah. I think I was yeah. uh, I was very lucky actually that I never got approval from the nuns or my mother or anybody when I was younger so mm -hmm. that by the time I was starting to write seriously approval was not even you know wasn't even an issue I was completely uninterested in whether other people approved or not and I think that that's actually been one of the strength of my strengths of my yeah. writing mm -hmm. is that approval was never I never expected to get any approval, right? right? I mean, the right. shock of of selling 20,000 copies of Not Vanishing was, mm -hmm. uh, I'm still getting over that, mm -hmm. you know, years and years mm -hmm. later because it was not something that uh, I, I could even conceive of, really. I know, and would sell 20,000 more right now if you republished it. Yeah. Yeah. We're no, talking about it. Yeah, but the, 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 the important thing is that once that voice stepped out, that's what it symbolized to other people. Mm. You know, I'm not begging for approval. I'm not on my knees here. Yeah. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> and I don't <laughs> want you on your knees yeah, either, right. you, know? <laughs> yeah. you know, which is yeah. which is a part of it, I think, that a lot of people have not been able to understand is that I don't want anybody on their yeah, knees. I do exactly. not want adoration. You know, right. if you want to go right. adore somebody, you know, pick right. someone else. It's not right. me. Right. right. So, um, but unfortunately, when they're in the classroom situation, they have to get a degree and so on. Much of it is about approval. Yeah. So you have a yeah. much harder uh task that when I do a writing workshop, they're not going to get a grade, right? It's just a writing right. workshop and it's sort right. of voluntary right. and there's a lot more. Uh, although I think that actually I think that's very interesting that you talked about approval because I've never mm. thought about that before and I mm -hmm. think that a lot of times when people take a writing workshop for me, what they really want is for me to like them and be their friend, and it has nothing yeah. to do with writing. And yeah. so they never turn any writing out, and I yeah. get, tear my hair out, you know? It's right. like, <laughs> you know, write something, yeah. you know? And, and that's not really actually why they're there. Right, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but in yeah. a school situation, it's more constrained, and uh, yeah, they feel more it, like it, they it, have it, to write. In general, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, in the new program, I have people are coming to write, and some people really want to write. But in school in general, you know, you have 12 weeks to get a good grade so you can go on and get a degree, right? Yeah. And um, I have to put, it's, it's about you. It's about learning and growing, right, and connecting to each other and to the world, right? So, um, so yeah, that... That makes a difference, but wanting this approval thing is um, is messed up a lot of people. You know, I actually think that might be you might have hit upon. You know, I've always said that greed is what drives the world, but I'm wondering if it isn't more the the desire for approval uh -huh. that people do crazy things, thinking that that's yeah. going to get someone's approval. That's going to get someone's approval, and why do they want approval? Because they want some love. They want to be yeah. loved. They want to really be approved. They want to be loved for their core self, right? And they figure that's the way they're going to get it, right? And so, yeah. so few children nowadays have that 
from their families. Yeah. It, it strikes me that a lot of people have children not to love the child, but to prove something else, some other... Yeah. Uh, Oh, some yeah. other agenda, you know, yeah, that yeah. they're a normal family and uh, being a normal family is more important than the child, right? Uh, yeah. So that would be dreadful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But writing, um, you know, nobody who is normal writes. <laughs> That's my theory. You know, we, we <laughs> it's <write>. actually very <laughs> comforting because I've always felt really abnormal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if everything is great in the world and you're great and everything is good, why write? Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. If you feel like people are listening to you, there's no need to write. Right. Yeah. You know, you feel you don't have anything to critique or say it and more share that, you know. So um, I think people come to writing because. Um, it's really important for them to engage a kind of process that uh, they're involved in, that they can figure out who they are. And, yeah. um, and they can figure out a few things about the world and a few things that have gnawed at them. And um, somewhere they can get their own vision and ideas out. And somewhere they can uh, reflect on and kind of... Uh, make some kind of sense that works for them. Yeah, right? I often feel like yeah. writing is more of a science than it is an art in, in the way that those things are traditionally yeah. described because when yeah. you're writing, you are burrowing after what is the, the central yeah. core yeah. of whatever, whatever's going on and you're yeah. trying to uh, grasp meaning that will help it connect to other parts. And, you know, it, it is very much a science. Yeah, I I actually agree with that for that and a lot more reasons um, too, and that it's been mystified um, over the years. Yeah, um, black turtleneck. Yeah. You're an artist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that in fact um, it's shaping creativity and giving attention to that creativity and uh, you know working with the soul in language or. It's dance and motion or whatever, right? Yeah, I feel as though there's been a lot of ways in which art has been uh, hijacked, I guess, and and given um, parameters that aren't actually accurate. So, for instance, you know, writers drink, and you know, mm. in order to write well, you have to be a drunk, or mm. you know, famous artists are drunks, and or that. Um, you have to be mean, you know, if, mm. if you're an artist. And uh, uh, there's a lot of junk that has, mm. is draped on artists that mm. actually has nothing to do with art whatsoever. Mm. Yeah, well, you know, my inspiration for a writer is Louise Bennett, the Jamaican um, storyteller, poet, right? And um, I went up to her house once when I was a young teenager, she lived on the hill out outside Kingston, Jamaica, in Gordontown, and she lives in a fabulous house. So the notion that there was a starving artist was not part of what I, um, my, of my DNA or what I embraced. Right. So um, I 
when I when I came up on that, I I couldn't hold hold that. I couldn't. I knew that um, it takes time to get good at something to be recognized. Yeah. And in the meantime, as you're apprenticing, you need to take care of yourself. And um, there were certain comforts in the world that I wanted, right? So I took a whole different route in terms of that starving artist business. Yeah, I, I've never I, been interested yeah. in starving. <laughs> yeah. I did that as a child. <laughs> been there, done it. Yeah. And then the thing also is I realized I had to take care of myself. I left home at 17. So did I. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. And I, you know, quit stint in Canada and off to New York. And um, I was surrounded by family, but um, I did see a lot of things um, from other people and friends and associates who did not take care of themselves. And I, I had an image of myself that didn't fit into any of those things. And um, it was not contradictory to being a writer or a poet. And um, so, um, yeah, I've always figured I had to take care of myself first, hmm. right? So I've gone that route. So um, I did not see myself of having the luxury of just being a writer and being a writer out there with no response, with no connection, not doing any work that maybe a patron would fund me or anything like that. It never crossed my mind. No, me neither. Yeah. I always it, worked throughout my life. Mm -hmm. And actually ended up working as a maid for for probably about 40 years and, and found that that work was actually very useful mm -hmm. because as a maid, mm -hmm. you have... A bad back. Mm. Your mother's sick. You mm. have to go to California to see about your father. You know, mm -hmm. so the expectation of a maid is that she will be unreliable. So mm -hmm. because I was a maid, I could mm. go all over the country and the world on these conferences and all of this kind of oh, read yeah. everywhere. All oh, right. <laughs> because you know my back was out or whatever. All oh, right. Oh, and yeah. and because I was very good at being a maid, mm -hmm. they would keep me coming back. So right. I, I worked for everyone until they died. Uh -huh. the, the, oh, wow. the last person that I worked for, um, that's when I quit is when he died. But, mm -hmm. but that, those years of doing that kind of hard labor, I mean, the other thing about it is, is that when you're cleaning a house, you can think. Yeah. You nobody interrupts you. Mm -hmm. Nobody asks it's you to answer the phone. Work. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's like your your mind can. Yeah. And and there's a couple of my poems that literally have the the rhythm of a vacuum cleaner right, <laughs> because right, I wrote right. them while because I was right. vacuuming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, th that yeah. that that I had a lot of freedom. I didn't have mm -hmm. to dress up. I didn't mm -hmm. have to spend a lot of money on clothes or freedom. Yeah. And um and I got paid cash and. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. and I got paid well. I got $25 an hour, which was a lot of mm -hmm. money in those days. Mm -hmm. So, so I actually lived a pretty comfortable life. Right. You traveled a lot. And yeah. Yeah, you lived the life that you wanted and you were happy with it. Yeah, and I, I did for a long time regret not having gone to university because I love teaching. Mm -hmm. And I would love 
to teach, but I don't have a degree, right? So mm -hmm. that's not possible in the United States. Mm -hmm. And um, But now I don't regret it so much because right. I, we come to conferences yeah, like this yeah. and half of the conference is everyone complaining yeah, about the institution <laughs> yeah. and how this, that, the right. other thing. And I, I sort of space out when mm -hmm. those discussions happen mm -hmm. because it's like... Mm -hmm. It's nothing to do with me, right? <laughs> but the but the pain mm -hmm. that everyone is feeling about that is very real to me. I mean, I feel the pain, right, right. Uh, and how uh, the academic world is is frequently, perhaps even more cruel than the corporate world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's <laughs> a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's true. And it's amazing how people survive it. I mean, I used to say I survived by ducking. <laughs> yeah, that's a great line. <laughs> and it's true. I survived by ducking. And I made a decision that um, this was where I worked. I actually heard an interview um, that told the story of Sammy Davis Jr., and mm -hmm. his music. I just bought an album of his. Yeah? Oh, yeah. So and I was listening to yeah. it, and, and he was doing some very innovative things way back when. Well, you know, he he took off. I mean, he's a father of soul, right? Yeah. Um, music. And um, so apparently he was quite embarrassed because he's from the church. His dad's a minister, but he's out there singing this, you know, devil music. So he time comes, he should go. T he wanted to go talk to his dad, and he went to his dad and said, "Dad, this is what I'm doing, and you know I'm working the club." And his dad said, "Son, that's not your religion. That's your profession." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great! Yeah, I figured, wow, that's it. So I realized that in the institution, this is where I go to work. I am not going to make it a war zone. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go in every day, and I'm going to do my work, and I'll be delighted to meet with the students. And when I go to those meetings, I stand up and so on and so forth. But for the most part, I'm chatting to everybody and whatever. Because for a period of time, it was war. Every time I went in, it was war. And they went, I figured, no, I have to come in here every day, right? Because the one thing they were not going to do was drive me out. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> when I discovered the privilege of working in an, a university and having tenure and all the access to the resources, the prestige in the community, and in a good way. Yeah, the know. free books they send you. Oh, you have a little budget for books, too. <laughs> you know, your access to research money, your, your invitations all around. I'm like, more black folks should know about this. So yes. I went on a mission to encourage everybody I know to go back to grad school, to be telling them, you know, if you can teach, you love it. If you really want to make an impact, that's what you should be keeping your sights on. Mm -hmm. And I'm still doing that now, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah but no, there's, there's no way they were going to drive me out. There are other people I've left, people I shared office with, who couldn't stand it. I mean, I went through a process of sessional to, you know, to, to get in half-time and full-time. But um, it was too much for them, you know. But I figured, no, no, no. This gig that they've had for years and years and years, and some of my friends, they didn't even tell me about it. I'm like, uh-uh. Once I figured it out, I'm like, eh-eh. 
<laughs> Duck. <laughs> quack, quack. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah. And I still do my grassroots thing. I make it clear in all the meetings, etc. I'm representing the grassroots. I mean, they want to call a referendum the grassroots and vote. That's up to them. But for right now, I'm representing you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm accountable. You can ask me anything, anytime. People send to me, can I have permission to use your work? I'm like, no permission. It's your culture. You just need to give me the proper credit. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's my that's my stance. Yeah. 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 So it's been a struggle. I mean, the thing is, you know, I used to be the youngest person in the room at one point. <laughs> you look around and oh man, I'm the youngest person in the room, right? Now I'm the oldest person in the room, more or less, right? Um, so it's been a long struggle. I think for all that struggle and that work, I would say that's about three PhDs. At least. Yeah. At, at least. least. Or something higher than a PhD. <laughs> or something higher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, but it's good to have stuck it out and can actually see the transformation and see the impact, right? And to see some of the results, um, some of the fruits, so to call it, of her labor. And yeah. That in itself is really satisfying, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. So what are you working on now? What am I working on now? My life, my <laughs> life, my life! <laughs> yeah. I'll answer that question for you, but I normally don't answer that question. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like when you just have a book, you know, at your launch, and somebody says, what are you working on next? <laughs> <laughs> I take it back. I take it back. <laughs> so, um, but um, I usually say I'm working on my life because I actually made a switch. I made a switch a number of years ago. I can't remember when, could have been 15, 20, from the political to the spiritual. Mm. So before that, in the political realm, very political, still political, but it's, it's spiritually, um, you know, contextualized. It, it was, um, I'm against something, I'm for something, if you're not with me, you know, you're my enemy, etc. Um, and I would even be ready to take up arms, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but as I um, sort of uh, got older and um, contemplated more, I realized we're one organism, mm. everything, right. right? And that um, the spiritual values of compassion should be at the center of my life. I should be saying everybody's life, but that's for them, but but I think. So that um, my work is more turned to be based on the values of, um, yes, there are some things I'm for and some things I'm against, but um, there is a possibility 
that I um, can work with the people who are not with me. And even if I can't work with them in a kind of physical way or mental way, I let them be. I, I, I still figure respect their core existence and they will stumble through their path or as Franz Fanon says um, each generation will discover its mission and will either fulfill or betray it um, not for me to judge but I feel like I'm fulfilling my mission and I feel like there are a lot of folks who are betraying their mission right? I think we can be better um better human beings, better people, better neighbors, better friends, better lovers, etc. And um, those are the values that I bring. Yeah. And I, I want some sense of uh, connection with everybody, uh, you know, and to figure there's light and there's dark. So, yeah, and to, and to realize that um, in some ways... That's part of the mix of, of, of being alive, right? And our job is to carve out that road of authenticity, of compassion, and so on and so forth. So yeah. that's, that's what I think about. One things. of the things I've discovered as I've go, gone around everywhere speaking is that a lot of the young people think of me as brave, which I don't think of myself yeah. as brave. You know, right. it's a it's a, con a, a a convoluted word because, of course, brave is has another significance in the mm -hmm. U.S. But when they say that to me, I, I'm always always puzzled about what it is they're talking about, and mm -hmm. I finally have figured out what they mean is that to be authentic yeah. is brave. Right. And and I, it took yeah. me a long time to right. figure that out because. Right. Because as I say, in my early life, there was uh, no support, but there also was no restrictions, right? Mm -hmm. I raised myself. I'm who I decided yeah. I was going to be. Yeah. And um, my family found out that I was gay when I was like 19 years old, and they were all, you know, went off on their little mm -hmm. things about that. But that gave me complete freedom. I, what, what was the point of being in a closet, you know, or mm -hmm. pretending, With right? Your family, yeah. My family yeah, knew, yeah. so, you yeah, know, yeah, that's yeah, that. Yeah. And a lot of the, what seems like bravery to others is actually just my circumstances. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, it wasn't like yeah. I worked hard to become brave. You know? yeah. I was just living yeah. the life that I had been given. and. Yeah, but you did make some decisions, and you could have made other decisions, and other people did. That's that's why, you know, you hit it right in the head when you say, you know, being your authentic self, because that means you are not waiting for somebody to tell you you're nicer, or there they love you, whatever. You are being yourself, and that's revolutionary. Yeah, I never yeah. thought of that before. Yeah, as being revolutionary, but I, you're right, it is. It is. Let's read a poem. <laughs> oh, you first. Oh, what, what kind of poem should I read? Oh, my God. I don't know what I did. I do, I think, have one. Did I give you one of these books? You did, and I'm so happy. Oh, maybe I gave them yeah. all away? You gave me one, and I'm happy. Oh, for yourself, yeah. Yeah, so I have... Well, we could I make could a sound poem. Okay. 
I made. I might have somebody in here I could read. Let me okay. see who's this. Reading, oh, here's your here's your bio that I wrote down from oh. the computer. <laughs> <laughs> so we could make a sound for. That's a good idea. Yeah. Let's do that. Okay. Okay, so now I push a button, I think. Oh, don't touch it. Let them come. Let okay. them come and do it. We might push I'll go them. tell her she can come and push the button. Yeah, I know. <laughs> there's, a there's a song. Push the button. Yeah. Push the button. <laughs> We hope you enjoyed this interview of Lillian Allen by Christos. I'm Trindelini, and you're listening to Tea House Talks. The interview you just heard was recorded during the Tea House Symposium Wisdom Council. We recognize the generous support of the Canada Research Chairs Program and the Social Sciences and Humanities Research Council. We also appreciate the support of the Faculty of Arts and the Department of English at the University of Calgary, where our offices are housed. Stay tuned for the next episode of Tea House Talks. For more on the work of Tea House, including symposia, panels, and readings, please check out our website at www.tiahouse.ca. If you'd like to be in touch, send us an email at teahouseyyc at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.